Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson, and it is good to be back. It's been a while, and here we are, 16th of January, 6th of Shvat, 2024. And it's time to continue our conversation. 34519 is our contact. And hope you've had a peaceful holiday. It's been intense, I'm sure, for many of us. Um, listening to the news, following the news, and going through our own experiences. But I was thinking, you know, strong and, you know, for quite a while, which direction I want to go at least at the beginning of this year, in the terms of the Ferengen show on Chai FM, because I feel like in the last few months, a lot of our minds have gone global rather than local. What I mean is we're thinking about stuff, very big stuff. October 7th, peace in the Holy Land, anti-Semitism, local politics, etc. And those are really important. But you know what's more important? Our own lives. What do I mean? Not in a selfish way. It means often we think about global problems, we think about big problems, but we don't realize that the way to heal our world, first of all, starts from within. And we tend to neglect our own, our own reality, our own little universe. Olam katan zehadam, the human being is a mini universe. And the human being tends to forget. How's my universe? So, yes, there's so much still to talk about. Um, Israel, South Africa, hypocrisy, corruption, hatred, anti-Semitism, the hostages, fearness, etc. Although I'd imagine most of us agree on all those points. But there's still definitely room to explore. But that's feeling in my heart that maybe we also need to, especially in this time, focus inward. So the conversation today is not really going to be about global events or even local political events. It's going to be very personal. And in a way, I worry that, you know, in the age that we live in, a politically correct, a political correctness, so most of us think that the hardest thing you could say right now is something political, right? You take the wrong side and suddenly people vilify you on social media. Suddenly you start getting hate mail. But I actually think that the topic that I'm going to bring up today will actually get me less fans than if I went on a, a political rant. Why? Because as much as we care about the big stuff, it's the small stuff that often get to us the most. So I'll go straight at the point where I want to address and then we could explore it over the next uh, 45 minutes till, till the end of the hour. So where am I going? I, uh, I only entered the rabbinate plus minus uh, 12 years ago. Um, and until then, I had a bit of a naive understanding of people and, and a certain innocence which I, I, I miss. And 
while I've seen so much greatness in this role, in other words, there's so many amazing, amazing people. I've also seen a lot of human foibles. Human beings are very complicated. And a lot of the stuff that makes us human, and I'm not putting myself excluded, I am very much part of the human uh, um, you know, foibles and the human weaknesses, and I have my own challenges and my own battles I fight every day. And most of our, or many of our human weaknesses are tolerable and understandable. We're not angels, we're not, we're, not we're not God. We have divinity within us, but we're not divine. Um, and we, we fail. But there's a very big difference when you fail from an emotional point of view. In other words, you have a weak moment to a failure in ideology when you have the wrong perspective on life. Because if you fail in the moment, at least you know what you did was wrong, and then you try to fix it. But what happens when you don't fail in the moment? You fail in a perception. You see the world in a warped way. What happens then is that you could repeat the same act over and over and over and never change it because you're actually convinced that you're on the side of, just, of morality on the justification. Okay, so what am I saying? The topic I want to talk about today is children not talking to their parents. There's very few things I, I think we could do in our lifetime that are more hurtful than family parental alienation. Now, if I've seen it in my job once or twice, fine. Then it's time for a private talk with a few people. It's a pattern. I cannot tell you how many times I saw it. Dozens. Kids not talking to their parents. Sometimes parents not talking to their kids. But more often, kids not talking to their parents. Adult children who at some stage in their life chose not to talk to a parent. It's not okay. I cannot explain how not okay it is, although I'll try. It's devastating. And it's, it's cruel. And it's happening too much. I was just talking to somebody, what triggered this was obviously a lot of episodes I dealt with, but then what someone told me, he's aware of a, a dozen women who've alienated their husbands from their family. In other words, couples where the wife marries into the family and she's alienated her husband from his family. I'm sure it happens the other way around. I'm not saying it's a woman issue or a man issue. All I'm saying is that that's the scenario that was described to me. And it's infuriating. You marry into family, and then you decide you don't like your mother-in-law. So not only do you not respect the person who gave birth to your spouse, you now alienate your, alienate your spouse and your children, which are the grandchildren of that person, from, that person, from your mother-in-law because she said the wrong thing to you. I've often asked people who've alienated themselves from their parents, what, have they, what did your parents do? I can think of one example where the parent really did something that's literally unforgivable, that maybe has some moral justification. Every other time, they hurt my feelings. They were insensitive. They didn't invite me to this. They didn't give me attention. 
they favored my other sister-in-law over me. Okay, are we in grade two playground? Is that how we, we, we play? Okay, no one says you have to like your mother-in-law or your father-in-law or your parent for that matter. The Torah doesn't say, love your father and mother. It says, honor your father and mother. And the commentaries say that, by the way, that includes your father-in-law and mother-in-law as well. So how did we reach a stage? And it's not only here. You know, I've, I've seen uh, lots of commentary about it happening in America and in the West as well. More and more. Where it's okay to divorce your parents. Now, I'm not even talking about siblings, which is a whole co another conversation, which I brought up in the past, and that's sibling alienation, which is also very problematic. But from a moral standpoint, it's not nearly as problematic as alienating a parent. You're, you're, your sibling didn't give birth to you. Your sibling didn't raise you. You're not alive thanks to your sibling. You maybe owe them certain things, but your parent, you owe them everything. No one in your life will ever give you more than your parent gave you. They gave you life itself. They hurt your feelings. Okay. So figure it out. Either ask them to apologize or forgive them or get over it. But what is this thing? That we're living in a time where my feelings are hurt and therefore I could stop talking to my parent. Therefore, my grandchildren, my children will never see my, their grandparent. They won't be invited to Simchas. They'll be alienated from my universe because my feelings were hurt. Feelings were hurt. So what? That's how we react when we're nine, when we're 10, when we're 30, when we're 40, when we're 50. How? How did we reach this stage? How did feelings become king? How is what I feel more important than what's right? That's what I want to explore on today's show. Look forward to continue the conversation after the song, Achenu. Achenu Kobe saw perfect prayer for what we're going through now. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Yatsen from Linksfield Shul. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you. And this is the 16th of January. It's a pleasure. And just before the break, we were talking about what I believe is a great challenge of our time. And no, it's not only Hamas. It's not only anti-Semitism. It's not only um, hypocrite, hypocrisy and corruption and other things. But it's much more personal. It's in our own lives. And that's really what I want to explore is in our own lives, we were talking about just before the break, that often people will alienate their own parents. And as mentioned before, if it was happening once or twice or three times, uh, it's not worthy of a radio show, but it's, it's happening a lot. And I believe that a major factor, it's not the only factor in general in life, it's rarely that one fact, it's rare that one factor is the biggest player in a social a phenomenon. But I believe that one of the main factors is today, we often ask ourselves about every question in life, how does it make me feel? And how it makes me feel is the most important thing. 
right? And it's understandable, right? We're, we're, feelings are very important. And we go to therapy and we try to explore our feelings. But feelings are not the most important thing. And you know this because let's say you have a feeling of doing something immoral. You still don't do it. You have a feeling you want to steal. You have a feeling that you want to punch somebody in the face. You have a feeling of revenge and you literally want to drive your car into somebody. You have a feeling of road rage and you want to literally knock someone off the road. Okay, great. You have a feeling. But no one's going to say, oh, the, no judge in the courtroom is going to say, oh, you shame, man. There was road rage. I remember one time being in the car with somebody. He invited me for a cup of coffee. I just moved to South Africa. And he said, I want to get to know you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. Get in the car. We're driving up Louis Botha. And a taxi overtakes him. And he got this road rage. Oh, my gosh. I, I can't believe I actually went to meet him after that for half an hour, an hour. Like, I should have actually got out of the car and said, no, thank you. It was just unbelievable to see how angry he got because someone cut him off. Like, okay, someone cut you off. <sighs> breathe in, breathe out, and get on with your day. No, he couldn't. He was screaming, punching his thing, honking, and literally 20 minutes later, can you believe what happened? Could you believe what happened? I'm like, no, I actually can't, but it's nothing to do with the other driver. It has to do with you, is what I was thinking. Anyway, feelings, right? It's everything. Everything's about feelings and what I feel and what I feel and what I feel. No. I have to work through my feelings. I have to honor my feelings. I have to respect my feelings. But I don't make moral decisions based on feelings. Ironically, that's what's going on in the, in the macro. I said that the show today, we're going to focus more on the micro. But if you think about so much of what's going on with people supporting, you know, genocide against Jews and uh, demonstrating pro-Hamas, a lot of it, a lot of it's corruption. A lot of it's a lot of other agendas, but a lot of it is feelings. It just feels right. Israel's strong. Hamas is weak. Rubbish. I mean, they did manage to kill 1,200 and take 250 captive, but whatever. Israel's strong. Hamas is weak. Strong is bad. Weak is good. I will always support the victim. That is not a moral stance. That's a stance based on feelings. But in a world where feelings run supreme, then yeah, that's how you get it. You get a bunch of, bunch of people who are not bad people. I'm sure they're very decent, honorable people who literally think they're standing up for the side of justice because they're standing up for the little guy. The road to hell is definitely paved with good intentions. Some people have bad intentions, but most people who support evil are not bad people. They're just silly, immature. And in other areas of their life, they can be very mature, but when they see morality, they judge it in a place of what feels right. Oh, shame doesn't feel right. Poor victims. Okay. So if that's on the macro, in the macro level, on the big scale, the global scale, it's so too in our own lives. I cannot decide what's right and what's wrong based on feelings. Feelings could give me insight, but they can't be the final moral voice. There's right and there's wrong. If I don't know what's right and what's wrong, or they're both right, and or it's a choice between two um, equally 
complex scenarios, then yes, sometimes listening to my feelings has value, or at least listening to my gut. But listening to feelings as a general point of view, oh, shame, you heard my feelings, I'm not talking to you again. Well, maybe that's okay with a friend, but with your parent, if your parent hurt your feelings, you have no right to disconnect with them. You don't. You could create boundaries. You could figure out a way to be less hurt, but the option is almost never. I will never talk to my parent again. I will not go to my parents' funeral. That's not an option. It's not an option. And I've seen it too many times. And it's, it's, it's devastating. When a child cannot even forgive the parent while the, when the parent dies. And we're not talking about the parent sexually abused them. We're not talking about like real acts of evil. Yes, the parent was damaged. I'm sure they did something. I'm sure the child did something as well. But let's say the child is absolutely innocent party and the parent hurt their feelings over and over. So what? So you don't sit shiva for them? You don't go to the funeral? You don't visit them before they die, even if they ask to see you? Don't you owe it to them? But I don't feel up to it. So what? I don't feel. Feelings. Feelings don't determine right or wrong. That's a terrible way to determine. Because if I allow my feelings to, to guide me, I will make horrible decisions in life. I can feel very attracted to a person, but the person is wrong for me. The person's married, the person has a different moral view than me, etc. But no, my feelings tell me this person's right for me. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Go deal with your feelings. Go explore it in therapy. So what? But therefore, you're going to destroy your life? You're going to destroy someone else's life because of feelings? My feelings tell me that my kid needs to be raised a certain way. No, there's either a way to be raised or there's, there's a lot of good ways to be raised, but there's a lot of bad ways to be raised. And if your feeling tells you that it's okay to do something, you still don't listen, right? There's a lot of people um, in Hamas and the PLO who are giving their kids guns at age three or four because if they feel that it's right to raise a warrior, is it? You might feel that way. It's still morally wrong. It's criminal to watch four-year-olds with guns. No, teach them the resistance from the young age. That sounds so noble. Ugh. Evil personified. When we look around day by day, so much of the madness of, of society is based on an inability of seeing beyond our feelings. So much of the identity and like, oh, you know, racist identity, playing race against each other, playing gender against each other, totally uh, removing the, the boundaries between genders, the whole, everything, so much of the decay of, of normal living that we've seen in the last two decades is not done by evil people. It's done by people that think that feelings reign supreme. So if that's what's being done on the global level, how much more so in our own lives? And we have to ask ourselves, as we start today, as for many schools, the first day of the school year, some schools starting tomorrow, et cetera. But now it's the beginning of the school year here in South Africa. Ask yourself a simple question. Will I raise my children 
to put feelings as the supreme being, or will there be something bigger? But that's what often happens when you remove God from the picture. When you remove God from the picture, you don't get John Lennon's Imagine There's No Heaven. No, you don't get that at all. When you remove God from the picture, you get more chaos. Obviously, religious fanatics also cause issues. But I know this is not easy for people to hear. That as bad as religious fanaticism has been throughout history, atheism has killed more people. I'm not saying atheists are bad, just like I'm not saying religious people are bad. But if we're going to look at ideologies, in the 20th century, between fascism and communism, 100 million non-combatants have been killed by non-religious, atheistic dogmas. That's besides the decay of family, besides the rising crime rate and many other issues. So on many levels, we're living in the best time in history, right? We have the most medical advancement. We have the most technology. We have ways to reach the whole world. We could get on a plane and fly anywhere on earth. But in terms of moral confusion, you took God out of the picture. You didn't get any more peace. You replaced one radicalism, religious fanaticism, with another fanaticism, and that's where everything becomes God. And today it's feelings. And what feels right, right? Ask a parent, how could you let your kid date that person as long as they're happy? No, that's not the way life works. Not as long as you're happy. What if you won't be happy in five years' time? I actually heard this fantastic story this, this weekend. I'm trying to place who told it to me. Um, but anyways, this, this guy was telling me a story about his uh, grandmother. That basically, the grandmother, she was an older lady, obviously, and her grandchild was dating somebody from a different faith, and she wasn't uh, too pleased, but she didn't want to give it to him over the head. So she calls her grandson in and says, my boy, do you find me attractive? And obviously the kid's like, oh, that's gross. Um, and he's like, and she's like, no, honey, do you find me attractive? It's like, no, grandma, definitely not. Okay, how about, do you find any of my friends attractive? Okay, I'm your grandmother. Do you find any of my friends attractive? Says, honestly, granny, no, I don't find your 85-year-old friends attractive. So she looks at him and smiles and says, and in 50 years' time, your spouse will look like me and my friends. So if you're only marrying somebody because they make you feel good and they look good, you're going to end up very unhappy. You marry somebody not for their looks, you marry somebody for their character, for their values from their shared upbringing. And he actually broke it off with that girl and actually married somebody with similar values. And I thought, wow, that is genius. She didn't guilt him. She just gave him the perspective that said, like, right now you're in your 20s and he's beautiful and she's beautiful and they look like a perfect couple, blah, 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 blah. 50 years time. Is this the person you're going to look back and say, I'm so glad I built a family with? feelings and as long as they're happy and all this rubbish narratives that we're building on ourselves, they don't lead to happiness. You know what leads to happiness? Values, right and wrong. And where does that come from? God. God gave us a Torah. God gave the Ten Commandments. God said what's right and what's wrong. And when a person builds their moral view and makes decisions, especially big decisions, on those moral codes, they can look back at their life when they're 85 or 100 and be very proud of the decisions they made. I can't imagine what the regrets is of somebody who didn't.
This is 101.9 This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. As human beings, we are always vacillating. We go from a world that maybe didn't respect feelings enough to a world that puts feelings at a pedestal. And in general, when a person's looking for truth in life, you never find it in extremes. You find it in integration. According to Jewish mysticism, the word hitkalalut, which is integration, the idea of being able to handle multiple opposites, we're told that's where the world of good is. Um, good can only be found by integrating, integrating opposites, right? Beautiful marriage, male, female energy, children, um, integrating the world, integrating spirituality, and never going to one side or hardly ever, sometimes you have to, but obviously when you're running away from evil, but in general, when it's living within our universe, the day-to-day living, it's integrating. So this is not an anti-feelings rant as much as it is putting feelings back into the place that it belongs to and not letting it be the the dictator of our lives. It shouldn't be dictating to us what's right and what's wrong. Like when, when a couple, like I gave the example, when a couple comes to me and says, well, she makes me happy or he makes me happy. That's cute. But how about your values? Do you actually agree on anything? Do you agree on how you want to raise your kids? It's okay, Rabbi. It's fine. We're, we're going to figure it out. We love each other. We're going to figure everything out. No. In a world where marriage is so rarely working, do you really think you're going to leave things up to chance and just rely on your happiness? How often do you find people 20 years in marriage as happy as they were at the beginning? So if they married for happiness, and happiness is the kind of thing that usually goes downhill because you get used to each other and you get to -to day-to-day living, you're definitely not having the euphoria at the beginning. So if you're marrying for happiness, you're really marrying for a really silly reason. I'm sure you'll find many moments of happiness. As long as my kids are happy, said many parents. We moved from school to school. We um, let them marry who they want. We let them make moral choices. We let them do things that really make us, that pain us deeply from a moral stand of view. But I just want my child to be happy. No, I want my child to be a mensch. I want my child to be moral. I want my child to continue what we started. I want my child to see themselves not in isolation. Happiness, as long as my child is happy, is a very selfish pursuit. And yes, there's room for that. Only within the, the larger structure, and that is that the child knows that the universe doesn't surround him and her, that there's something bigger than the two of us, that's bigger than me, bigger than any of us. And I think so much of what happened in the world the last few months, since October 7th especially, especially as a Jew, is when you suddenly realize, wow, there are literally people who hate my guts, even though they don't even know my name. They don't know I exist, but they, they know that a Jew exists and they hate my guts. Who am I? I thought it was all about me and my feelings and politics, and suddenly I realized there's something much bigger. And as painful as anti-Semitism is, it's horrible. There's something very clarifying in it. It it shreds away so much of the rubbish. For so many years, people convinced themselves, oh, it's because of this. 
because of that. They hate us because of this. They hate us because of that. But then on October 8th, before Israel did one ounce of revenge, you already saw people demonstrating pro-Hamas. But like, what are you demonstrating for? They just went and killed 1,200 people and raped, and God knows what else they did and took 250 captives. And you're demonstrating for them? Like, what are you demonstrating that what they did is right? And suddenly the Jews like, oh, gosh, they hate my guts. And then what happens? We, we wake up, hopefully, and we start realizing there's something bigger than me. The universe is the, the world. And more than that, that my Judaism defines me. Even if I'm not a practicing observant Jew, the fact that I'm Jewish, it defines me much more than I, I thought it did, or maybe even much more than I like it to. So then who am I? What am I? So back to where we started the show. Feelings, feelings are great. They really are. But feelings in no way should be the determiner of my morality. I have to honor my parents, regardless what I feel about them. They maybe hurt me. Maybe they think politically about things differently. Maybe they're uncool and they're embarrassing. So what? We have no right to alienate our kids from their parents. And I'd say the same thing even in, to extend it, but often in a divorce, you see one parent alienating the kid, the kids from the other parent. And yes, I'm sure you got divorced because the other parents, your former spouse, your ex, caused you a lot of pain. Validate that, obviously. But your child needs a mom. Your child needs a dad. Have you really taken good advice from good people? Or are you just following your need for revenge when you decide to alienate the parent? Happens sometimes. I can think of a few examples where it was totally justified. The other parent was really, a, really a bad person and could have really damaged a child. But most of the time when I've seen parental alienation had nothing to do with that. It was revenge. Yes, the other parent was had faults, as did parent A, parent B, both, they both have faults. But therefore you make your kid not being able to talk to dad. Dad doesn't get invited to your kid's wedding. Why? Why do we do this to our kids? Why do we do, do, we do this to each other? Alienating parents from their children, alienating children from parents and why can a child morally justify themselves that they didn't go to their parents' funeral? How do you get your head around that? What could possibly justify that? They can never hurt you again if we're even basing it on feelings. It's over. They're gone. Can you at least not honor them? No, Rabbi. My feelings were hurt too much. And as a rabbi, usually you have to validate people. But I can't anymore. I try, and I'll continue doing my best. But in this one area, I don't feel I can be quiet anymore. It's too rampant in our community. Too many parents and children who are not talking to each other for ridiculous reasons, or even very, very, very convincing reasons. But it's still ridiculous. And I beg, 
you know, when we talk about we want peace in Israel. Yes, we want peace in Israel. But as passionately, we want peace in our own families. It's very easy to focus on the global stuff. Peace between Israel and Palestine. Peace between this and that. Peace in our country, rainbow nation, all these wonderful cliches. But you know what's even more important? Or at least as important? Peace between you and your mom. Peace between you and your dad. And peace in every family. Signing off. This is Rabbi Levi Aftson. Have a great day.